Hi everyone, I'm Amber Rose, the Religious Hippie, and welcome to A Catholic's Perspective. For those of you just finding this podcast, let me tell you a little about myself. I was born and raised a cradle Catholic until I fell away from the church for eight years. I just recently came back to the church and I could not be happier with where I am today. I am currently a junior in college and I'm studying graphic design. I am an ambassador for multiple amazing Catholic Christian companies and I love working with all of them. Now, some of you may already know me from my popular religious hippie social media channels, such as TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have all kinds of Catholic content on there, so don't forget to go check those out. So the reason I wanted to start a podcast was so that I'd be able to have a longer format which people could listen to from wherever they are. I particularly wanted to address issues that young Catholics face today in the secular world, and I want to do that by providing information along with commentary and even a little of my own opinion. I can't lie, from time to time I might be discussing very controversial issues, and some will find my opinions unappealing. But I do this out of my faith and service to God. We must keep communicating with each other, respecting each other, and put each other on the path to sainthood. I think you'll enjoy the podcasts coming up, and I thank you for being here with me. Hi everyone, welcome back to my podcast. Today I have a special guest with me here, John Shaw. He's one of my friends. He's really good at singing. He loves Gregorian chant and he's also a Catholic YouTuber. So welcome, John. Thank you, Amber, for having me. Yeah, yes, My name is John Shaw. I'm 23 and I'm a cradle Catholic. I love to sing, as you said. I've been singing since the age of nine. I, um, I've been touring, I've toured Canada, China, Singapore, Malaysia, Australia, Germany, and Austria, and across the U.S. for singing. So that's super cool. And last year, I graduated from college studying music and business. Wow. And right now, I canter at my parish every Sunday, and then I sing for weddings and funerals throughout the week. And then when I'm not singing at Mass, as you said, I'm a Catholic YouTuber. I love making YouTube YouTube videos about the Catholic faith and sacred music. So on my channel, you could find a lot of Gregorian chants. I do daily live streams of the Holy Rosary in Latin. And I just started learning and chanting Compline, which are the nighttime prayers in the divine office. So I really enjoy those things and YouTube's awesome. And I pray that it's glorifying God. And I think it's a great way to evangelize. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) That's so cool. So you've been like, you've been so many places. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Very fortunate. Uh, Toured with a lot of choirs. So I started in the All American Boys Chorus when I was nine and toured with them to some of the places I mentioned. And then I also toured with my college choir to some of those other places. So super fun. Wow. You've been all over the place. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Wow. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Um, so today we're basically talking about the things we love about the traditional Latin mass. Um, this was Sh- uh, John's idea for this podcast. And I'm like super excited about it because I haven't even covered the TLM really on my podcast. So I think this will be a great way to kickstart it. Um, so basically, do you want to go like you have one, like you list a reason why, and then I list a reason why, or do you want me to list all three reasons why, and then you list your reasons why? Oh, I think we could just go in order. I think um, I have some points that if you don't touch on them, I think um, I could bring up a couple points too, like in your, in your favorite reasonings, reasons, you know? All right. Well, we'll dive into mine first then, I guess. Right. Yeah. Sounds good. (laughs) The first thing that I personally love about the traditional Latin mass is the reverence for the Eucharist. Um, I just think that it's something that's so prominent in the traditional Latin mass and you don't see it too often in um, like Novus Ordo parishes, even though I do go to a very traditional Novus Ordo parish when I cannot make it to the uh, traditional Latin mass, which they are actually getting a traditional Latin mass there. So I'm like (laughs) psyched, but um, just in general, like being in the presence of Jesus Christ himself, people who go to the traditional Latin mass, usually you know that they know why they're there. You know, they're not going just because it's another day, like it's a Sunday and it's a routine. They actually know why they're going. 
um, the priests are always super strict about communion usually. And um, it's just, it, it just has this whole other feeling to it spiritually. I mean, you just know for a fact that the people who are there understand the importance of who they are in front of and what they are receiving from, you know, uh, kneeling and receiving communion on the tongue to, um, you know, the parents making sure that the little kids are, you know, the ones who just came out of First Holy Communion or whatever are receiving properly and going to confession before they receive if they are in mortal sin and making sure that their kids understand the importance of this reverence we have towards the Eucharist. Exactly. Yeah. You brought this up as well, but um, you mentioned kneeling or you mentioned on the tongue. And I think that's the most reverent way to receive. Also, we can get into um, just the particles of Jesus in the host. Um, And I think it's when you receive on the tongue, it's the best way and most respectful way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also kneeling as like a position to receive. I think it's very humbling and also very reverent. Um, Yeah. And then another cool thing I I heard from an altar server friend, I haven't read this yet, but um, I didn't know this. After the priest touches the consecrated host in the traditional Latin mass, he keeps his fingers together, like his index and his thumb yes, until yeah. he washes his hands. I thought that was such a cool little thing that often goes unnoticed. Like I didn't know that. There's so many details that people just don't notice or realize unless they actually ask or dig deeper into their faith. And that is something that they do. I I actually heard that before. And Mm -hmm. the next time I went to the TLM, I I would like stared at the priest. I was just like, you're doing it. (laughs) And he did it. And he did it every single time. And now it's kind of like my favorite thing to do and like to watch for. Yeah, that's going to be me this week. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I love it because we as Catholics believe that even the smallest particle of the Eucharist, if it has fallen on the ground, it is the equivalent of the entire body of Jesus Christ being on the ground. So um, even the smallest particle of the Eucharist is the entire body of Jesus Christ. So 100%. I love it. I love it. All right. Second thing I love is the modesty. Um, This could be fit. This is basically like physical mentally and just spiritually in general. Um, I'll hit on the physical first. I've Mm -hmm. never gone to a traditional Latin mass where I have seen the girls wear booty shorts or leggings or, well, obviously leggings, but like there's a dress over it or something, you know. Um, I have never seen them wear spaghetti straps. I have never seen the boys come in in their pajamas wearing hoodies. Like everyone is very nicely dressed. And even though it's not like we're going to a gala or anything like that, people are very respectful in the way that they dress and they're respectful of who they are in front of, but also of the other people around them and not distracting them from what is super important. The other thing um, mentally is that at the traditional Latin mass, um, I never see kids, I mean, kids goof off all the time. I notice that a lot, but they're not like on their phones and, and parents really aren't on their phones, you know, and things like that. Um, Whereas I've noticed at other parishes I have gone to that are more modern, Um, the parents are on the phones, the kids are acting up or eating, you know, Cheetos and drinking Mountain Dew. (laughs) It's always just like, "Mm, no, (laughs) don't don't let your kids eat Mountain Dew. And I was about to say, don't let your kids eat Mountain Dew and drink Cheetos. (laughs) 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 Dyslexia. Um, And then of course, spiritually, I think I've never really heard people talk during mass at a traditional Latin mass. I've never heard people, um, just like chitter chatter before after mass everyone is usually very respectful and quiet and reverent before mass after mass you know people will gather outside and chit chat but they know that that time before mass starts is for prayer and reflection yeah i think you summed it up perfectly i think it's just important to understand where you are and to be as respectful as you can yes when you're at mass Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, we're, we're sitting in front of the King of Kings. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, and then my last little thing is um, it's the mass that the saints attended. The traditional Latin mass is one of those masses that some of your favorite saints have 
it's what they were raised with, like St. Therese of Lisieux, Padre Pio. Um, that was, I believe that was the mass that Padre Pio said, correct? I think so. Oh, I think so. I think all yeah. the saints except for John Paul II. Yes, um, yes. Yeah. And so all the saints from like pre-Vatican II and all those people and stuff, they were raised on the traditional Latin mass. And I'm just saying like, if we want to be saints one day, they are a great example of what should be expected from us and what a better way to, um, you know, for them to be an example to us than for us to actually be involved in the mass that they were involved in and, and are gifted the spiritual, um, I guess I was going to say spiritual medicine from the traditional Latin mass that they received. <laughs> and the songs that I'm sure you've sang a lot of Gregorian chant, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Like the songs that you've sung and the songs that we hear in the traditional Latin mass every Sunday are the same songs that the saints reflected on and, you know, just thought about and, you know, just, it's so interesting to me how it's the same thing that people I have looked up to for so many years, like St. Francis of Assisi and St. Claire of Assisi, and they literally pondered the exact same music, the same, the same verses, the, it just, it's mind blowing to me. Yeah. It's a cool thought. Um, And I think you summed it up well, again, um, if we're trying to be like the saints, why not also attend the mass that they attended? I think that's a good point. I love it. Is that your only, is that your only? Oh, yeah. Thing? Um, okay, perfect. As soon, when you put the bullet point, that's exactly what I thought of. And you just took all the words out of my mouth. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I love it. All um, right. So now your turn. Let's go. Let's go. What yeah, you got? So um, the first thing I thought of that I love about the traditional Latin mass, um, I mean, both, but let me get into it. So the traditional Latin mass is uh, scriptural. It's based in scripture. Um, the Psalms are an obvious example. So like, this is technically before the mass starts, but if there's an entrance antiphon, um, like in the high mass, like the Asperges, that's a Psalm. And then the Gloria Patri, which is the glory be prayer. Um, so there's a whole bunch of Psalms in the mass and there's too many occurrences to like list them all. But, um, even the collects, like those are a collection of prayers of all the faithful assisting at the Holy Mass, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And then we get into the Epistle, which is a reading taken from the Bible. And the goal of the Epistle is to teach some truth uh, God wishes his people to know and practice. Then the Gospel is pretty obvious, you know, it's just um, directly from the Bible. And then there's the gradual consisting of like a response and a verse which mm-hmm. is uh, the remnant of the whole psalm. And yeah, basically everything is scriptural and I kind of went in order. I haven't even gotten to the offertory yet. So like <laughs> just understanding that like everything is based in scripture. There's a reason behind everything, every action, every everything is pretty biblical based. It's oh, amazing. For sure. And the thing is, is that it's not going to be explicitly stated in the Bible. Like the Catholic church is the traditional Latin mass and traditional Latin mass isn't in the Bible. But then again, we have to understand that neither is the word Trinity. Mm-hmm. Like there are things in the Bible that aren't going to be in the Bible, but it's still in there. It's just, you got to go underneath the surface level to understand and find it. And so when it comes to that type of thing, um, I completely agree. When I first read the Bible, when I came back into my faith, I was going through all of this and I was just like, how could anyone who reads the Bible not understand that the Bible is Catholic? I mean, even if you didn't understand that the, the like Catholics compiled the Bible, you know, even if you didn't know that, how could you not look at it and read through it without a surface level understanding and say, oh, Catholics aren't biblical. Like it's, it's almost impossible. And so for people to say that it's like, well, I I have to understand that many people do not have the entire Bible. They have an altered Bible and words have been removed or added and they had books taken out. So there's, I give them some grace there, (laughs) but then I'm also just kind of like, what happened to, you know, the whole not going off your own understanding and, and anyway. And so it's just very interesting to me when I went through the Bible, I'm like, I found the entire mass in there. And I was just like, how do people think 
the Catholic mass isn't biblical. Like it's literally there. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's crazy. Totally. <laughs> Should we get into the next point? I think it's super interesting. Um, I often attend the high mass uh, with a Gregorian chant and all of that stuff. There's uh, some differences I can briefly touch on, but um, what do you often attend? Do you go to the low mass or? I, I try to go to the 730, which is a low mass, but when I yeah. do, when it, yeah, when it, when it's like the, um, when it's like a, a feast day or something, I try to go to the high mass. Yeah. Um, isn't the high mass longer than the low mass? It should be. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love the music, but a lot of the times the high mass happens around 1230 or 5 PM. And mm -hmm. those are like my productive times. And so <laughs> yeah. I try to go to like the really early masses, but I definitely make it, make it a thing to at least attend the high mass, you know, every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, both are super special and beautiful in their own way. Um, I think the low mass is nicknamed the quiet mass or often mm -hmm. referred to as the quiet mass. Um, yeah, it's super, I love the simplicity of the low mass. I've only been to one low mass in my life. So maybe if you could touch on it a little bit more, if you, I don't know if I'm leaving stuff out or if I misrepresent it, I don't know. Um, but let's see, it's, I think it's super <laughs> meditative, like with the silence in the low mass. Um, yeah, just a lot of time for prayer. And just, I think it's the simplicity is so beautiful, just um, meditating on what's actually going on. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's very, it's very quiet. But the main thing is that the priest doesn't really acknowledge us all that much. Um, yeah. The there's usually no music. Um, it's very quiet, contemplative. We usually don't respond. We respond quietly, like prayerfully. So when he does, like, when he does the whole, um, um, what is it? The oh my gosh, I'm blanking. But the et cum spiritu tuo that we respond oh, yeah. with uh -huh, is usually uh -huh. very quiet. We usually either whisper it or we're completely silent. Um, <clears throat> and so when it comes to stuff like that, it's very. I don't know. It's very relaxing. I, I, I almost mm -hmm. focus better when I attend it <laughs> um, yeah. just because of the fact that I am very scatterbrained. But um, when I'm in mass and I'm able to follow along just in my head without like, I don't know, like a lot of talking or anything like that, like when it's really quiet, I just I focus a lot better. Um, mm -hmm. but then of course he has, you know, there's the gospel that he says quietly and then he comes over and then he gives the homily goes back. So if you do go to a low mass, I highly suggest bringing a missile with you or reading the gospel for that mass, because you are not going to actually verbally hear it. Mm -hmm. Um, he's going to basically whisper it and then give a homily about it. I know that some churches, <laughs> they do say it verbally, like they will, you know, they'll, they'll say the gospel verbally, um, but mine does not. So. Interesting. Yeah. I think someone asked like, um, why, why don't, why isn't it more responsive or something like that um, about like the traditional Latin mass? And I was like, well, it's not really, exactly directed towards you all the time you exactly. know like it, um some of the prayers are directed to god not not you you know exactly um, and i think that's the biggest thing is we forget that like the mass isn't about us you know i mean it, yeah. it's, it definitely involves us but it's not about us exactly yeah it's yeah, what yeah. we owe god and it's about our duty as catholics fulfilling that duty so when people say like, oh, you know, I can't hear what he's saying or blah, blah, this or blah, blah, that. I'm like, well, that's because it's not about you. I mean, the yeah. homily is absolutely the homily uh -huh. is when they convict people and they they share love and and they explain the, the gospel and stuff. But the mass itself is not for us. I mean, God gave it to us as a gift to experience heaven on earth, but it is not about us. It's for us. Exactly. Yeah. And then let's get into the high mass. I love um, that. Yeah. There, that's when you'll hear the Gregorian chant, which I love. Um, a little bit of, oh, should I touch on like briefly the differences? I'm reading off of the yeah. back of 
my red missile that they hand out. Oh yeah, I love that thing. Yeah. <laughs> they hand it out at your parish too. We got but, new ones, but we did have those for a long time. Gotcha. Yeah. So on the back, like I'm literally reading <laughs> the <Cool>. little mass. <laughs> um, two lighted candles on the altar. One priest who doesn't who does not sing. Uh, no prayers of the mass are sung or chanted. And then, have you seen this? A choir may sing hymns, or there may be no singing. Yeah. I don't. Okay, hymns too. Um, yeah, sometimes. Okay, gotcha. And with the two lighted candles, I think that just adds to like the simplicity. Mm-hmm. Maybe I mean yeah. there might be some more significance, but that's my first. Yeah, it's usually very quiet and he doesn't move around too much. Um, And so I think it's just like a stationary way of just like, it's quiet, it's darker, and it's more conformed to one area. Yeah, okay, okay, gotcha. And then there's the high mass, which is the sung mass. Uh, Six lighted candles on the altar. One priest who chants or sings various parts of the mass. The priest intones the Gloria and the Creed. He chants the gospel, the preface, our father. And then there's the proper prayers, like the introit, the collects, collect or collects, depending on the Sunday, offertory, and the post-communion are chanted by the scala or the choir. And then the choir sings the Gloria, the Creed, the Sanctus, and the Agnus Dei. They, I love it. Like the mass parts. Um, and then there's like the solemn high mass, which is like special. Like um, there's a, a priest assisted by a deacon or a subdeacon, and I've actually never been to one of those yeah I went to I went to one for um Easter and Palm Sunday and uh they were awesome but they were long (laughs) gotcha (laughs) yeah and I was sitting next to two little restless kids which I love kids and they were the cutest but I was just like oh my gosh you guys probably (laughs) a super special mass yes (laughs) especially on Easter yeah oh yeah for sure no I love that yeah. It's so cool to see the differences and yet, you know, they all offer their own spiritual guidance. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, not to take away from the low mass, but I think I've read that the high mass was like the official or yes. like the original mass, you know, Correct. not to take yes. away from the low mass. The low mass is special too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if they just had the high mass a little earlier, but you can't have it earlier. It's literally there's specific times you're supposed to have the masses at and yeah. Oh yeah, totally get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but Gregorian chant, one of my favorite things is in the high mass and it's super, it's awesome. Once you like understand exactly what Gregorian chant is, it's not just like a musical style, you know, mm-hmm. um, Gregorian chant first and foremost is prayer, which I think is super cool. Uh, once someone understands that um, it's one of the highest forms of prayer chant is the official musical prayer of the church. And from my research, from the trusty Wikipedia, I don't know how. (laughs) We love Wikipedia. (laughs) Yeah, I think chant was composed around like the ninth and 10th centuries. Yeah. For context, the oldest surviving complete musical composition is the epitaph of Seculos, Mm -hmm. which I learned in music history one of those music classes I took in college. We had like listening quizzes and. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, it. I know um, Gregorian <laughs> chant though, the name, didn't it come from a Pope who compiled like a bunch of old um, parchment papers together from old time music? Like it got its name from the Pope that kind of compiled I think it? so. I, I'm, yeah. Um, I think one of the Popes is credited to um, creating or compiling, like you said, Gregorian chant. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, it's not that the chants are old. It, that's not why they're special. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were specifically composed for the divine liturgy of the mass and the divine office, which is awesome. And um, they are composed to scripture, which goes back to that the mass is um, based in, on scripture. Right. Which I think is cool. Um and the Gregorian chant pieces, this is just like the music nerd coming out, are so <laughs> beautiful and well-constructed. Um, last, a couple Sundays ago, the third Sunday after Pentecost. Okay. This is just one detail that like I nerded out on, um, you know, like Zion in the Bible, like how it's yeah. a mountain range. Yeah. Um, well, in Latin, it's like Sion, you know, um, right. but around that 
um, where that word was, there was an ascending and descending melody and it happened like three times. And it's just like beautiful text painting. Like it was super cool. Cause like the That's melody so line cool. looks like mountains, you know, and it right. was beautiful. <laughs> I love that. That's so yeah. neat. Um, yeah, that's just like the musical appreciation coming out. But um, <laughs> the number one is that it's prayer, you know, right. and then number two, that the chants are specifically for the worship and glory of God. So I think that's why um, Gregorian chant is so special. And especially during this time, I think we all need to pray. I encourage everyone to sing Gregorian chant um, and to think of it as prayer <coughs> because it is you know, and right. it doesn't matter how good your voice is. I think that's important to touch on too. Um, cause people are like, Oh, like I don't have the best singing voice, but it's <laughs> prayer. And if you think of it like that and that it's for glorifying God, right. uh, not, not to just sound good, you know, like I have to say, like when I'm in church, like I take voice lessons, like, I think I'm a fairly okay singer. Like I'm not the best. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not John Shaw, but you know, I'm pretty good. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> But like when I'm singing in church, I sound like I'm a cackling old crone or something. I'm like, ha! <laughs> like I just—it sounds so bad. But there's this beautiful, beautiful old lady there who just has the most angelic voice, and I'm just like, I'm gonna stop singing so you can sing. But what you're saying totally makes sense. So you know what? My cackly voice is gonna join in too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think that's why. I mean, I love Gregorian chant and it's super special. If you think of it more than just like a musical style, you know, like right. we also like other types of music, but that that it's um, specifically for the liturgy and for prayer, I think it's super special. Exactly. Another thing we could get into is the actual language. You know, it's in Latin. Um, I love Latin. I mean, I'm still learning about it. We talked um, last week about, the difference between like classical and ecclesiastical Latin. Blessed They're... and blessed. I oh, can't. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I, I canter, because I also, you know, canter English masses. Um, I see that all over the place now. It lives in my brain rent free. It's like, which you one? Know? <laughs> yeah. And there is some. No, um... I know what you mean. No, I think Latin has this powerful um Something that people don't understand today is that some demons cannot actually be exercised without the use of Latin. And so when people as a dead language or it is an important, I'm just like, okay, well, you know, and some exorcisms aren't going to be effective unless you actually um, use Latin. I mean, that's just, a, that's just a common fact. And so many exorcists will back you up on that. Yeah. Well, I actually watched father ripperger about this a lot of my points that i want to touch on are from him so um yeah i'm not like plagiarizing it's i mean i, I want to expand on the points <laughs> but quote. like I, I quote father ripperger <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah about the exorcist and stuff like that he was saying uh, when he does the exorcisms right that's how, that's what yes, they're called yes. yeah <laughs> um if the demons had to say something in latin uh, I think he said they would try to go to the classical modern way of saying it, which was like the language back then, you know, yes. um, and he said, um, I'm not going to let them get away with it. And <laughs> um, yeah, because there's ecclesiastical Latin, which is sacred. And he that's the form of pronunciation, which is sacred. So yes. I thought that was super cool when he said that, like super interesting. And he said, not as, not only is Latin in scripture, because some people like just see that and they think that's why it's um, a sacred language, but not only that, um, Latin is one of the three languages fixed to the instrument of our salvation, which is the cross. Yes. That's a direct quote from him. Um, <laughs> and when, yeah, so that's why I think we use like Greek and Hebrew and Latin in the traditional Latin mass, like the Kyrie is Greek. Yeah. And then like the words, amen and hallelujah. So many people think it's Latin are, and I'm like, no. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So like I'll do like um, videos on my YouTube channel 
and be like, okay, like this is how you sing some of the songs in the traditional Latin mass. And like, you know, you have yeah. to have the title of the video, which is like what people click on or search for. And then there's always someone in the comments, like, you know, Kyrie is Greek, right? Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just to like time. be, you know, I'm right. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, super funny, but this was super, a really cool point that um, Father Ripperker made. Um, in the old rite, the traditional Latin mass, um, there are rubrics that nothing is to be used in the mass that is not blessed or sacred. So like right. the candles will be blessed, the vestments, the chalice has to be consecrated beforehand. And then same with the language. So like, that's why we use Greek, Hebrew, and Latin, right. which goes back to the three languages that are fixed on the cross. Right. And I, the other thing, just to piggyback off of that is at the traditional Latin mass, when we use um, <clears throat> Latin, like mm -hmm. you said, John, uh, demons cannot stand Latin. Yeah. Uh, the, like they cannot stand it at all. And so you won't find actually any demons at the traditional Latin mass, not just because of Latin, but also because at the beginning, before the mass even begins, the priest will invoke our lady and the demons cannot stand her. And <laughs> yeah. so that was another thing that I noticed where I was just like, spiritually, I feel more fulfilled at the traditional Latin mass. Um, mm -hmm. And that's not to diss on Novus Ordo. That's just a personal fact of mine. I don't know if there's other people that feel that way out there. Um, and I still do attend my traditional Novus Ordo, you know, parish, you know, it's very trad-like and I love it, <laughs> but it just doesn't fulfill me the same way that the TLM does. Right. Well, I think there's a lot more reverence in the traditional Latin mass, mm -hmm. but, you know, there are people that can't go to a traditional Latin mass based off of their uh, location and stuff. And I think it's important to say um, traditional Latin mass, or if you can't, you know, just try to find the most reverent church or parish um, that you can, you know, do your best. Yeah. But um, the reverence in the traditional Latin mass is unmatched. <laughs> yeah, 100%. None of this modern stuff. If you guys go to a modern church, leave. Yeah. <laughs> don't, <Yeah>. don't, don't. <laughs> find some place that is actually uh, Catholic. So 100%, 100%. Oh my goodness. Was that all your points? Um, pretty much. I mean, there's a couple other things like the traditional Latin mass. Uh, I mean, like why, why Latin again? Like, because mm -hmm. um, if we're having the traditional Latin mass and everything's blessed, you know, uh, why, why is that so important? because right. everything in heaven is uh, holy. Right. And um, yeah, like the mass, we're in the presence of God, which I mean, goes back to everything we just talked about with like the reverence and everything being blessed. So yeah, just, I love it. You know, I love the traditional Latin mass. It's awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's, it's one of those things where <clears throat> I think my personally, I feel like my faith is more strongly integrated into the traditional Latin mass than it is mm -hmm. at any others. And many people want me to try Eastern rites and things like that. And I think their mass is beautiful. And I think their traditions are great. They apparently don't even have pews 90% of the time, like they stand for most of their masses. And I think that is awesome because fun fact, pews were actually integrated from Protestantism. Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> Catholic churches never originally had them. Um, but I don't think they're a bad thing, to be honest, especially if you have elderly right. people and they need to sit and moms have kids and so yeah. But um <laughs> it's just one of those things that I, I always feel more like, you know, my my faith is integrated into it. And I think it's also important to just put at the end here that for those who are listening who might not be Catholic and don't understand what the Catholic Mass is, um, it's an important thing to remember that the Catholic Church does not, does not teach that the Mass is the re-crucifixion of Jesus. I have so many people constantly telling me that it's like we're re-crucifying Jesus and stuff. He oh, does not suffer. Yeah, it's crazy. He does not suffer. He does not die again. However, the Catholic Church does teach that the Mass is the representation, okay, the representation of the sacrifice of Jesus on Calvary that He made for all of mankind. So it's not, it's literally not like 
it's the remembrance. It's the representation. We are not re-crucifying him. I just wanted to throw that in there because I've gotten so many comments about that in the past and I'm just like, got touch on that. So yeah. Oh yeah. I think that's important. I, I've never heard that before. Really? <laughs> well, I've never heard that like criticism before, you know. Yeah. Thinking. You get a lot of it once you're on the internet for too long. <laughs> yeah. you, you start hearing everything. Well, no, those are some great points. So I absolutely love that we were able to do this and spread a little bit more light on why we love the traditional Latin mass. Do you have any last words for anyone who might be looking to get into the traditional Latin mass, where to start, et cetera? Oh yeah. Well, I think we barely scratched the surface. There's so much, and these are just some of our thoughts, you know, we're not experts necessarily. Part two, part two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, got to think of some more points. I mean, these were some good points too, you know? Um, what was the question again? Like uh, basically just if anyone's interested in the traditional Latin mass, uh, things that they should prep for bring or something like that. Oh yeah. Um, there's a couple books that, uh, what is the book called? Like the traditional Latin mass explained. I think yes. that um, maybe getting a missile. I, I like the father Lassance missile. Um, just understanding what's going on during the mass. It took me a long time to like, of actually going every Sunday, probably mm -hmm. took me like three or four months, like <laughs> to like fully understand like, okay, so this is what's happening during the mass. Um, or like, this is why he's saying this certain prayer. Um, so just, it's going to take a while. It's not going to be like day one, you're going to get everything, but just um, doing your best and understanding um, what's going on during the mass. And then I said this before, but just finding the most reverent mass you can. And if that's a traditional Latin mass, definitely give it a try if you haven't gone. And we love the traditional Latin mass. You should go. <laughs> Absolutely. And I know you, you've been singing in the church for a while, like you mentioned earlier. Can you talk a little bit more about like your favorite songs and like how you got yeah. more into singing and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, when I was in college, I went to a Lutheran university and, you know, they had their chapel and everything, um, like every week that was like through the school. And, you know, I went and it's like, okay, like it doesn't feel the same, obviously. Um, and there was a church right across the street, like a Catholic church. So then I went with my confirmation sponsor, now confirmation sponsor. He's was my best, he's my best friend in college. And now, you know, <laughs> um, and we went to mass together and then I was like, you know what, like I, I like their music program. Let me uh, go talk to them. And then I started cantering at that church and then, yeah, so I started doing like one mass on Sundays through that church and doing school and doing the choir concerts and all wow. of that. Um, and that's when I really started to like learn the ropes of you know, cantering and stuff. And, um, when you lead like as part of the mass, I guess, like as a canter, um, it's so different. Like, you know, when you're like sitting in the pews, um, you could fall back on everyone like, Oh, they stand up. So I stand up. So yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> or they kneel at this time where they genuflect. Um, so it was just like, Whoa, like I need to really, learn it like and like um know it like the back of my hand right. um so then I cantered there for a while and then back to the all-american boys chorus when I was nine um the guy that ran the all-american boys chorus reached out to me like hey there's another um cantering opportunity can you are you available to like canter at this parish too so then for a while and doing school I did cantering at that parish and then I went and drove to Irvine um and cantered in the first parish that I did mm -hmm. and then I went back and did the traditional Latin mass which was my first like oh, exposure wow. to it I did not know that the Latin mass was a thing like before that like seriously and super thankful that everything lined up the way it did and that now so cool. now I just sing at that parish like I um I took the spot in between so I do three to four masses on Sunday including the Latin mass wow and that's how I got into it that's my full story <laughs> that is so cool what's your responsibilities as a cantor oh yeah um well we introduce the hymns for the English masses and um say like 
you know, uh, this is the number of the hymn and stuff. It's really to lead and to encourage them to sing. Yeah, <laughs> and, no, I and get then, it. And then like uh, the spotlight is on you. Like you, you can't afford to mess up. <laughs> true. I also like to think of it as it's not about me. It, of mm-hmm. course, you know, as a cantor, it's just to maybe enhance or like, yeah, enhance their time at mass. You know, right. it's not like a performance. And there were some people that I've worked with, you know, at different parishes that weren't Catholic and they treated it like a performance, unfortunately, Ooh, which is yikes. not, which is, you know, why I'm not there anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> there are reasons uh, for things I was going to say. Cause like, yeah, I've, I mean, I've been to Novus Ordo parishes where after a hymn, like they'll clap and I'm like, um, yeah. <laughs> um, but your responsibility is, um, it's part of the mass, you know, and just to, it's for God, it's not for you, you know, and I mean, there's different responsibilities for the Latin mass and the English, but um, like for the Gregorian chants, I'll intone the um, chants and then the choir will come in or the, the men will come in and sing the rest with me and stuff like that. So Very cool. um, really enjoy it. Yeah, it's a great part, it, especially with my love for singing and then just uh, the extra significance of it being for God makes it super special you know it's not just just to sing (laughs) right no absolutely okay I'll stop picking your brain after this last question what are like your top favorite hymns and Gregorian or just songs in general that you sing at mass oh that's right you asked that (laughs) um I I think so you said like what's your favorite hymn I mean I think um (laughs) maybe Gregorian (laughs) chant Gregorian chant I'll start with that um and I'm still learning a whole bunch of Gregorian chants like this is my first because of like our 2020, you know, um, this is like my first full year of doing the traditional Latin mass and like knowing as much, you know, cause I was still learning three years ago and then 2020. And then now there's this year, I really like, uh, Veni Creator Spiritus, which was a Pentecost hymn. That's one of my favorites. Um, for that season, I love Salve Regina, both Mm -hmm. of them the simple tone and the solemn tone. The solemn tone took so long to learn, but it's super special. And um, from the learning the divine office um, or just Compline so far, um, I think solemn is for like special feast days or Sundays and gave it more significance than just like, oh, this is a cool, it's a different sound, you know? Right. <laughs> it, you know, they mean different things and they're four different times uh love the salve regina and then of course there's like the ave maria version Mm -hmm. of gregorian chant um really just i really love the um the mass parts like the mass ordinaries i think they're called yeah um like the mass of the angels is done a lot but i do love that and then just uh there's certain other masses like mass four i like um yeah just super special and they all each mode we can get into I'll say this really (laughs) I'll say this really quickly because it's like super in-depth like each mode of a Gregorian chant I mean like every it's not like a key signature like how you would think of music like modern music but there's different modes and it doesn't matter what pitch you start on on a Gregorian chant but each mode which is like there's mode one through eight Mm -hmm. has a different flavor of um sound and like a different uh mood like it you know like it's super cool and there's certain like you could say themes that happen all the time in different Gregorian chants and one of my favorite ones is like do 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 like that it's a it happens in Salve Regina, it happens in Ave Maria, it happens in so many of the mass um, chants in like the propers. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like the the playing with and like the the composition of like the the half steps and like the added flat and stuff. Just 
it sounds so cool. And there's again, like the Gregorian chants are so well crafted. Um, I, I love them all, but like those are some of my favorites. And then favorite hymns. I, I tend to love some of the more traditional hymns. There's the let, let me open up my hymnal real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I know um, there's so many. And the thing is, is that so many people, like there's some really cringy modern hymns out there. And that's why I love the traditional Latin mass hymns. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, one of my favorites, I don't know how traditional it is, but I really love Be Thou My Vision. And then there's the other one, Lord of All Hopefulness, that yeah. is the same melody. And it's funny, um, some people like to mix and match the ornamentation in both of those hymns. So it's super funny to see like the words of Be Thou My Vision, but with yeah. like the eighth notes and ornamentation of the Lord of All Hopefulness. Um, right. That's one of my favorite melodies. Um, one that I um, sang last week that I really love the lyrics to is when in our music, God is glorified. And there's a line that just like, um, I, it made me think, you know, it's like super cool. It's, um, let me look, let me find it. And adoration leaves no room for pride. And I just thought mm. that was like a really cool thing. Cause I love it. You know, if you're, it just puts everything in the right perspective, you know, like yeah. it, we're there for mass. We're there to adore Jesus and we're in front of the blessed sacrament. And it, if you like really have God in the center of your life, there's no room for you know, you're not, again, you're not the reason of the mass. You're not in, as important as God. Right. No, absolutely. I think it really puts us in our place. And the other thing I love about the music of the traditional Latin mass is that there's no inappropriate instruments. There's no drums. There's no oh, guitars, yeah. no tambourines or pianos or. I read or a paper about that. In cymbals. Yeah. In, in one of the documents, you know, um, it, now it says like, I think, let me, I'm going off of memory here. Um, <laughs> just that it's like for, it, it needs to be done respectfully and that like, um, you know, it, that it should be respectful for God, but that can take, that you could do your own interpretation about that. It's not black and white. So like Oregon, of course, it says like, that's the, the highest instrument, like, and always the most reverent, but yeah. like you could, take that and interpret it like well I'm playing this tambourine really respectfully you know mm -hmm. no I know I think the main thing is that so many um I think it was a pope who said it that those types of instruments should be banned from the mass but um I forget which pope I would have to look it up um but <clears throat> I think the reason was for it was because in the midst of the protestantism you know in the 1500s exactly they brought in a lot of irreverent music and a lot of irreverent instruments and things of that nature and made it more into what we now have today known as you know rock concerts and mega churches yeah. um, and I think that's kind of where it was going with but I have heard some extremely inappropriate music at mass that sounds extremely protestant like um, with those instruments and so personally I could not hear those instruments and feel like I'm in heaven, like I'm at mass, I, I would feel like I'm at like a Christian rock concert. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's funny um, for like the funerals that I do and stuff, um, people request some songs and stuff and we have to remind them like the music is part of the liturgy. You know, we can't, mm -hmm. we can't sing My Way by Frank Sinatra during <laughs> the liturgy. <laughs> Uh, yeah <laughs> no that's too that's, funny that's an actual request that happened but uh, yeah yeah can I have my way done by Frank Sinatra yeah, yeah I want that played, play it at the reception <laughs> yeah that's one thing we say like not necessarily with that one but like you know that would be a great tune that would be a great song for the reception or just or the wake <laughs> or something like something or the, that's great, not in the yeah. church yeah exactly oh, yeah. I'm sure you guys have to have to put up with a lot of that sometimes and just be like no no that's not it yeah no I love that so well I think that touched on all of our points so thank you so much where can my uh listeners find you on social media oh yeah um my youtube is youtube.com slash john shaw j-o-h-n-s-h-a-w 
Um, I love posting on there. And I mean, my Instagram and Twitter, I'll, my Instagram's one, the number one John Shaw and like the number one, not spelled out. <laughs> <laughs> and um, because there's so many John Shaw's, I'm so happy that like John Shaw wasn't taken for like the YouTube thing. You're I don't know what I would have done. Get, like John Smith. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then my YouTube, or I mean, my Twitter is John Shaw YouTube spelt out. Yeah, there's, it's hard to pick a username for me. We'll, we'll tag you in it too. <laughs> we'll tag you in the show notes so that we have your Thanks stuff. Thanks so much. Yeah. But um, mostly YouTube. That's what I love to do. Yeah. And you do a lot of great rosaries and stuff and Latin and things. I'm still working on my Latin pronunciations. It's, it's getting there. <laughs> oh, it, it's tough. Yeah. It took me a couple months. So it's a, it's definitely a work in progress. So I feel your pain. That's awesome. But anyways, thank you so much for joining me on this awesome podcast. Thank you, Amber. Yeah. Of course. And it's we will have talk. to have a part two sometime and where we go more in depth, more of the details of it. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Goodbye. Alrighty. Bye. All right, guys. And that is the podcast for today. I hope you guys enjoyed it and I will talk to you guys in the next podcast. Bye. Do you have questions or comments about today's episode? Email me at thereligioushippie at gmail.com or leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash thereligioushippie. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure to visit the official website for the International Association of Metatomics at metatomics.org or find us on social media for other unique content.